Hello, friends. Welcome to season two of the Area 81 podcast. This is the inaugural uh, episode of season two, where I speak with filmmaker Gia Wirtz about her film Conviction, uh, which is about the arrest and conviction of a then 17-year-old Jeffrey Deskovic for the rape and murder of a classmate or a schoolmate of his. Um, of course, it was the wrongful conviction but we'll let Gia talk more about that. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello. Hey, Joel. How are you? Hi, Gia. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. First I've of never all, used this before. This is cool. Yeah. You know, I normally we do over Zoom, but um, I figured they say that this quality of this, I guess, through Anchor is really good. So it sounds good on my end. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, I can hear you really good. Great, great. Well, first, Gia, thank you very much for taking time. Um, I appreciate it. If at any time, oh. anytime you want to speak on anything, feel free, absolutely free to, okay? Oh, thank you so much. No, I really appreciate you taking the time. I mean, the more people we can get the word out to and more people can watch the film helps me greatly too. So I, I super appreciate it. Wonderful. Okay, so... Um, Disclaimer, before we begin, if anybody is listening to this that has not watched Conviction on Amazon Prime, stop this, go watch it. It's free on Amazon Prime. It's 21 minutes. Please take the time and watch this film. Then come back and continue this interview. Um, today's guest I have on the Area 81 show is Gia Wirtz. Uh, from her website, geowertz.com, it says... Filmmaker Gia Wirtz pursues stories that explore the conflict between institutional systems and individuals victimized by those institutions in the name of protecting the social order. She is currently investigating the vagaries and inconsistencies of the American criminal justice system through the story of Jeffrey Deskovic and other exonerees to have their freedom restored at the cost of irreparable damage to their minds, relationships, and families. Gia is a documentary filmmaker and a featured writer for Forbes. She's also the founder and fashion designer of Studio 15, which is a socially responsible fashion brand. After leaving behind a 15-year career in the corporate fashion world, she started a company that focuses on doing good and supporting women. It's Studio 15's mission to promote and collaborate with other female-owned businesses and to support female entrepreneurs in developing countries through the partnership with Kleos MFG, a nonprofit organization. Gia is from Calgary, Alberta, and currently lives in New York City with her husband and a son. She is a graduate of New York Film Academy, and Conviction is her debut film. Welcome, Gia. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so great to, to chat with you. Um, so I found you on Facebook, and when I saw what you, uh, I don't want to say had to offer, but what you, uh, I guess the subject at hand, I was all in because uh, I've been a, a big fan of true crime, crime, uh, justice system, uh, you know, <laughs> just in general, although that's not what this podcast is normally about. Um, this second season here, I'd like to delve a little more into that. And when I saw the opportunity to speak with you, I, I wanted to jump on that. I guess my first question would be, um, so what helped you make the decision to get into filmmaking? And then also, why did you decide to go with Jeffrey's story for your first film? 
So um, what brought me to filmmaking, I, I spent 20 years working in the corporate fashion world. So, you know, in the, on the business side of things. And um, I really enjoyed that in the beginning. I got into it really young, you know, at 18, 19 years old. And, and it was such a fun industry to work in that I didn't even feel like I was working. So if from my 20 year old point of view, I was like, I've hit the jackpot. Like I would do this on my spare time and I'm getting paid to do it. So this right. is just perfect, you know? So I ended up in it for two decades and kind of got, went on autopilot and just kept doing it. And I had, you know, a good amount of success in, in it. And so just kept going. And then just one day or one year, you know, I, in my thirties, I was like, this isn't fulfilling. I don't really care about any of this. I mean, is this what I want to spend my life doing? It's, it's just, it just wasn't. And while it was fun and everything, it just wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. And like you, I had always really liked true crime shows and true crime. I was really fascinated with the whole, um, true crime genre. And when I was about 20, I had read a book, Reuben Carter's book called The 16th Round. If you haven't read that book, it's still to this day my favorite book and I would highly recommend it. Okay. Um, so I read that book. Um, did you ever watch The Hurricane, uh, the movie that Denzel Washington is in? Yes. Yeah. So that movie was based on the book, The 16th Round. Oh, okay. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes. So that, so anyways, I, that book and that movie just really, really got to me. And the book just, it, it, it's like I said, it's still my favorite book today and something about it just always stayed with me. And I was really passionate about helping people that have been wrongfully convicted, but like most people had no idea what I could even do to help the cause. Cause it seems like such a huge problem and I wasn't a lawyer or anything like that. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And then one day, my husband came home from work in like 2014, I think it was, and said, you have to listen to this podcast. And I didn't like podcasts only because I need a visual. I'm not an audio learner. I really get distracted. And so he, I said, no, I don't really want to. And he's like, no, you have to listen to it. And I was like, I don't want to. And he said, it's a true crime story. And the subject of the podcast is Pakistani, which uh, my family is also. And so that kind of got me. And I was like, what? I never really hear of that combination. So let me, let me give it a try. I said, I'll listen to one episode. And it was over dinner and he put it on and it was cereal. Uh, yes. <laughs> and yeah. And then of course I was like hooked like the rest of the world. And I said, play the next episode, play the next episode. And, you know, dinner turned into this, you know, three hour thing where we listened to four episodes and, I said, play the next one. And he said, there's no next one. It comes out every Thursday. And that's it. <laughs> I, know. I was like, no, I can't wait till next Thursday. They leave you hanging, huh? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what kind of really got me back into um, wanting to do something to help. I really believe in Adnan's innocence. And I was devastated that he is still in prison when I heard the mm. whole podcast. And so back then in 2015, I reached out to his family and I didn't hear back originally because I'm sure they were inundated with messages. The serial just blew up and um, I decided that I wanted to do something to help. And so I organized one of the very first fundraisers for Adnan's uh, legal defense fund out here in New York. Oh, wow. And I just got some local musicians and with a friend, we did it together and um, she's a musician. So she played there and she helped me organize it and everything. And uh, we ended up raising a, you know, a few thousand dollars and we donated it. And the family was super thankful and, 
they ended up, you know, writing to us and we were, I, I've been friends with them ever since. They're just the nicest people I've ever met. But um, when I was organizing that event, I was looking for a speaker and my friend Marion was like the one I was organizing it with was like, you got to meet my friend, Jeff. Um, I met him at a party and he has a very similar story to Adnan. And he was also falsely accused of murder at the age of 16. Wow. And, he, and I said, wow, okay, yeah, I'd love to meet him. And so she introduced me and Jeff was a speaker at my fundraiser back then. Oh, wow. And so that's how I met him. And then fast forward um, to a few years ago, I went to Adnan's um, post-conviction hearing when he was granted um, a new trial, which got appealed and he didn't end up getting yeah, it. But yeah. at the time, yeah, that happened. I was at the post-conviction hearing oh, and wow. uh, yeah, and they were the HBO documentary, The Case of the, the case Against Adnan Syed was being filmed. And I didn't know it was being filmed. And then, you know, after a couple of days of spending time there, the family said, you know, you can't tell anybody, but you know, the reason there's a camera crew here is because HBO is doing a documentary, but it's not, you know, it's not, the public doesn't know yet and all that. So don't say anything. And so that really intrigued me because I'd been wanting to do something to help. I just didn't know what to do. And I have a 20 year background in photography. And so that I'm really passionate about photography. And so I was watching this whole thing go on and um, I was really naive because there was three people there. I think there was like a, maybe a producer, a cameraman and an audio person, maybe, maybe two people. I can't remember. And I remember watching them and thinking, this is an HBO documentary. There's nobody here. It's like just these two people. <laughs> and in my naive mind, I was like, oh, this is easy. I can do this. <laughs> That's all it takes. That was the beginning of it all. I came home. I enrolled in film school. And uh, I started working on it. You know, of course, I know now that there's so many people behind the scenes and editors and consultants and, and, you know, but it's kind of great that I was naive because I wouldn't have probably done it had I been, you know, deterred by all that. So that's how I got into filmmaking. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, For those who hopefully you've watched the film, but uh, this film conviction is about uh, the wrongful arrest and conviction of a then 17-year-old Jeffrey Deskovic for the rape and murder of a 15-year-old schoolmate, Angela Correa. Now, my, another question is, why did the prosecution or the police believe that he did this? Be- I know in the film, it says that schoolmates pointed him out and said that he should have been questioned. Why is that even grounds for them to take him in? Well, that, you know, that's, that's such a great question. And it's, that's what's terrifying about it is that it could just happen to anybody. Right. It's like, that isn't grounds. That shouldn't be grounds. Right. Um, But I guess what happened is a few things happened in addition to that, but that was the initial Mm. initial uh, event that got the police looking at him. He, they, they said the students at the school said that he was a little bit odd. Of course they were at the school. The police were at the school questioning students because it was a 15 year old girl and other kids said, yeah, he's a little bit odd. And, you know, I saw him talking to her or something like that. And that was it. Um, and then, and then at her funeral, I believe it was, or her wake or her funeral. I don't, I don't know. He was very emotional. And what's heartbreaking about that is, well, one, the police saw him being very emotional. And I guess not everybody that wasn't family was emotional like that. And that they kind of were already thinking he was a suspect and that got them thinking he's feeling guilty for what he did or something like that, which is really also heartbreaking because he was just a sensitive person. And he said, 
that was his first brush with death and he was having a hard time dealing with it. And he was more, he was a sensitive, obviously, because he was crying so badly about someone he didn't really know that well. Um, and, and then the other thing that happened is the police, uh, the NYPD got like a, a profile, you know, they do those criminal profiles to identify who may have done the crime and the things that they came up with in that profile, uh, match Jeff's, you know, physical appearance and personality traits and things like that. And that's it. But I mean, that's nothing, you know, that was maybe the most they had to go on at the time. So they figured that that must be it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. That, That is really, I mean, that is scary. Um, when I was watching this, I was, you know, I was a, I guess you could say a socially awkward young man growing up as well. I was too. But, you know, and, and kids, I know kids can be mean, you know, they think people are weird or strange or different. So, you know, that doesn't make them capable of doing something like this just on those grounds. So this movie right away, it really struck a chord with me. Um, I also, I have two boys of my own. They're young, young five and six years old. And the first thing I thought of was, you know, one day the police could be taking one of my sons in for questioning for something they didn't do. So I was, Mm -hmm. I was, I was saddened for Jeff and I was maddened (laughs) and, and it really, this, I'm, I, I have to give you praise because in 21 minutes you achieved, you and your team achieved so much. I mean, you covered a lot. And uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but I know that there's uh, maybe a full length film in the works, but for 20 minutes, I mean, you really, (laughs) like I said, you struck a chord with me and I know I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people out there now that are really aware of this because growing up, I had nothing but faith in uh, politicians, in the justice system, and in the news mm-hmm. and everything I saw, I, they wouldn't lie to us. They couldn't do that to us. They wouldn't do that. And as I grow mm-hmm. a little older, it's, it's shocking and it's a little saddening to see that um, there are inconsistencies, not, not all everywhere, but there are inconsistencies. There are, are people that are maybe, um, you know, have the wrong motives or, and stuff like that. It's just, it's a little yes. disheartening, but uh, I think the way you did this film, the way it brings it to light is it was beautiful. And like I said before, it was a, um, like a sweet, uh, it was a, I don't know exactly how to put it into words, but uh, it was sad, but it was to watch the whole film. It was uh, fulfilling. It was actually, I guess it made me happy in the end, in a way, as much as it could be. I know exactly what you mean. It's very, cause I felt the same way. I mean, Jeff's story, which is why I wanted to tell it. It's, it's heartbreaking and it's so sad and it's bittersweet, but then he, Jeff himself is such a force to be reckoned with. He's done just such remarkable things with his life that it is, you are happy in the end because most people can't achieve what he's achieved. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So for sure. going back to um, the police, now, the police, uh, they forced a confession, basically, out of Jeff. Am I right? Yes. So, they, from what I understand, they had him in the confession room, and uh, they asked him how he would have done the crime. Is that correct? 
Yeah, they, they, they had him in there. There's quite a, it's funny. There's quite a few things. And, you know, going back to something you said, I am just finishing the feature length film. It's the hour and a half long version. And so it goes much deeper into the confession part of it, because I know that wasn't mentioned too, too much in the short, but, um, but yes, they, they kept him in a room. First of all, they drove him out of the city to a different police of a different city, different police station. And they, he didn't, they didn't tell his parents or anyone. He was a minor, oh, wow. so that's not okay. Wow. And then he didn't know where he was. He didn't know, you know, where he was. He, no one else knew where he was, and he hadn't eaten anything. And they, they gave him coffee after coffee. He had never had coffee in his life, so it was making him jittery and wow. you know off. And then they questioned him for seven hours, and he hadn't eaten anything for that whole seven hours as well. And they gave him details that the police knew of the crime. And they kept saying, you know, tell us whatever, you know, what they kept feeding him information and then asking him questions where they'd already given him answers and try and trip him up for all that time. And in the end, he was in a fetal position underneath the table, sobbing because he was so scared. And he, and they said, tell us this, tell us you did this and you will get to go home and things will be better. And being 16, he believed it and he said what they wanted him to say and he said he was also he felt very trapped because one cop was playing like the good cop and one cop was being the mean cop and the mean one was really mean and jeff was scared of him and the good one would come in and be like listen just you know i'll get him under control just tell him this we're gonna get you out of here you know kind of like that and so just mentally playing games with him and you know he's only 16 wow so and at 16 myself i probably would have done the same thing. You know, if I had the good cop, bad cop, someone yelling at me and they just say this and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. We're going to take care of it. I would have believed it. Yeah. I know most people think when they look at it from the outside, looking in, Oh, I would never say that. But if you're in that situation and you're that young and you're that scared, I mean, who knows? And a lot of people would, and clearly a lot of people do because, right. you know, I've seen this in other wrongful conviction cases, right? These mm-hmm. false confessions, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so Jeff served 16 years of a 15 to life sentence uh, behind mm-hmm. bars. He missed, I mean, what everyone agrees, those are the prime years of your life. I mean, film, yeah. I mean, it's in there somewhere. You're missing out on a lot. Uh, the film, like I said, it tugged at my heartstrings because it could have been my kid. How, how did his family deal with all this? And were finances a factor in his, um, I guess, in his defense? You know what I mean? We're, we're did they have the finances? Did they get help? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it tugs at my heartstrings for the same reason, because I have a three-year-old son. And also before I had my son, I, I grew up with two younger brothers. And so as soon as I heard, actually a non-story, when I first heard it, mm. um, that's what got me because he's the same age as my brothers. They have a similar upbringing. And I, I immediately, I just saw my brother in him. And that's what really, really got me. Um, so I completely know what you mean. Um, but yeah, Jeff's family, they, they did not have money. Um, he, his dad wasn't in his life. So it was his, just his mom. She was a single mom and she had another son. So there was two sons and she was trying to, you know, work and raise them on her own. So this really, really hurt them a lot. And she didn't have the means or the money to do anything about it. And uh, that's part of the reason this happened as well, because he had a public defender who was terrible and, um, you know, didn't do anything to really help his 
case. Um, and then once he got into the mess and once he was convicted, you know, they didn't have money for all kinds of appeals and, you know, lawyers for all of that. Right. So, yeah. Wow. That's, un- I mean, that really is unfortunate, but that's the way it is for a lot of, um, you know, for most people, I guess, wouldn't have the money to do all that. You know. For sure. I mean, it's so expensive, first yeah. of all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then to imagine, like, to try and figure this out from behind bars, like try and get lawyers or investigators to figure out what really happened so that you have proof. You kind of got to solve it so you can get yourself out almost. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Which is, yeah. Wow. And, and as a young man who's never dealt with anything like this, you have to figure out where to start, what to ask, who to speak with. I mean... I'm sure there were people that wanted to help, but I mean, you still have to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And you know, from what Jeff says, I think this is in the short um, that he wrote letters for years and years to people. And he said almost nobody wrote him back. So I don't even know if I could say people want to help. It doesn't seem that way, you know? Yeah. Well, thank, you know, (laughs) thank goodness for people like you who want to make a difference. Um, When you, when you did interview Jeff, did he ever seem hesitant to speak on anything regarding the arrest, conviction, or incarceration? Or was he just open with everything? Oh, my God. Jeff is so open. It's, it's almost shocking. Wow. <laughs> he, he is so open about everything. And, I mean, he's a filmmaker's dream. I've said this to him before <laughs> because he's so candid. And he will say anything. And he will talk about everything. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it's, um, you know, really, really interesting. It, he, it, funny enough, you know, you will, you won't see this in the film and especially because a lot of it happens when the cameras aren't on, but, um, he quite often makes jokes about it. He oh, quite wow. often would joke around and make really, really <laughs> dark jokes about prison. And, and the first couple of times it really tripped me up. I, I, I was like, what did you say? <laughs> Right, right. Um, and you know, I have a really, really, you know, uh, dark sense of humor as well. And you know, I, I'm, I'm a very, uh, yeah, I don't like rules and and anything goes kind of person. So I was, you know, completely amused by it, but I wasn't <laughs> expecting it at all. But right. now that I know him better, you know, he does it all the time, wow. and it's really, it's it's uh, it's kind of nice that he's so far removed from that experience that he can do that, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. The next question kind of goes with that. Cause I was expecting him to be, you know, distant and cold and real stern. But when I watched it, he was the opposite. That's what I, the next question was, was he truly that relaxed and happy of a person? Because he seemed like uh, this almost never happened to him. Yes, yes. He he is not distant and not cold and not mad, which is so shocking because I would be that person. I would be mad for sure. I think for the rest of my life, probably. Absolutely. Um, but no, he is not. He is the opposite and he is very relaxed. And I asked him this um, again. I can't remember if this is in the short because I've been working on both films interchangeably for so long, but mm-hmm. I asked him this, I said, how do you stay so calm and even keel about this? And it was really interesting. He said that he almost feels like it's not real and that it almost like he's talking about somebody else. Like he's compartmentalized it wow. because it's so traumatic. And so maybe that's part of the reason I think also um, just from my own, um, per, you know, observation, Jeff has, has, 
done so much advocacy work for other people who've been wrongfully convicted because that's his mission in life um, that he he's talked about this on a daily basis for years, you know, over a decade. And he, he does work on this cause every day of his life. He's freed seven people from prison himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe he's just told the story so many times that it's easier. It seems to me. Right. I'm, that's possible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure, but that's kind of the sense that I got, but, but he did say that he definitely compartmentalized it because wow. it's a, coping mechanism, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Before I ask the next question again, um, if you haven't seen the short film, please stop the podcast and go and listen to it because uh, next, I don't want to say a spoiler alert, but uh, I think people need to watch the film before maybe they listen to this. Um, <laughs> now the way Jeff handled it, he got out. I, I would say 90% of people would just uh, sue and live the rest of their life, you know, uh, however they want to. But to see uh, the fact that Jeff uh, not only uh, furthered his education, but now uh, is working to free people that have been wrongfully convicted. I mean, he didn't have to do it. He still doesn't have to do it. But the fact that he does that, again, just makes you love the guy even even more. You know what I mean? And to see him walking up and getting his diploma, the joy in his face when he's smiling and he's waving at everybody. Mm -hmm. And it just, it melted. It melts my heart. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, I watched that footage probably 20 times more because I was editing it. So, (laughs) Um, and it made me cry while I was editing, even though I had seen it multiple times. It is. It's so, it's so, you're so happy for him and you're so sad at the same time. It's so, it it really, it's, it's amazing what he's done, but you know, I have to tell you a funny thing about Jeff, like how you're saying how he smiles and, and uh, just his demeanor and how he's so relaxed and stuff. Um, his best friend who he's known for quite some time, um, they, they own a house together. They live in a duplex. And she said that, you know, when you get to know Jeff and to be honest, I haven't, I've only seen little snippets of this side of Jeff. She said that he is like a 16 year old boy all of the time. She's (laughs) like, he has like his work, you know, (laughs) personality when he's working. But she said the rest of the time, he's like a kid. Wow. And you can kind of see it in his smile and stuff when he, when he graduates and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah but, I, I did notice yeah. that the way he waved, uh, you know, like that's how I waved when I graduated, you know, we were silly and we're having a good time. And I, th- I don't want to say he deserves it, but I mean, why not? He went through what he went through and <laughs> he missed out his, his, his childhood. I mean, his young men, adult, you know, pre-adulthood, I guess you could say. And in the film, when he mentioned how he wants to go on to theme parks and he wants to have fun and it's hard to find people that are his age now to do that with him. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know where he's coming from. I mean, I, I understand that to an extent. And uh, again, yeah. it was one of those things where I, it just, I connected with it, you know. Um, For sure. So yeah. did I. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are your, those are his, those are your prime years. I mean, like from 16 to, you know, 33 or 34, whatever it would have been, uh, you know, like you date and you, you figure out, you know, what you want, what you don't want and another person, a partner in life and your, in in your career, right? Like you missed all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Again, I, I wanted to, um, 
just give you and the team and everybody involved in making this film uh, just kudos and high praise because, like I said, to to condense this story into 20 minutes the way you guys did, uh, the way you did directing it, it, it was, uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing it any more, uh, I guess, justice, if you'll, <laughs> doing it justice, if you, if you would. Um, I thought the film Thank was you so much. everything about it. It was shot beautifully, edited beautifully, even the opening scene where it shows uh, the, the sign, you know, is that, is that like a, um, the train station. Yes, yes, train station. That's what it is. The train station sign. And uh, I just, it just kind of froze on that sign. And I was just looking at it. And I don't know something about it. I, I really enjoyed the, uh, um, the way everything was shot. So, uh, you know, I'm, you don't know how happy I am to hear you say that. One, I, I super appreciate it because the film has been such a labor of love for me. But secondly, um, I, I felt the exact same, what you just described at that peak skill train station Mm -hmm. is exactly how I felt. There was just something about it that just, you know, was captivating to me. And my first edit of the film didn't have that scene. It went straight into the interview. Yes. Wow. And then I added that at the end um, because there was just something about it that got me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've seen some of your photography. uh, I I think it's on Instagram or there's some pictures you placed and I just think the way you shoot and capture everything uh, I was into photography. I kind of fell out of it. Uh, I'd like to get into it again, but I, your eye, you have quite the eye for it. So um, kudos to you for that as well. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That, that really means a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, I am very much looking forward to the full length film uh, as well. Uh, do you have any estimate on a date on that or not at this time? <laughs> So um, I'm hoping early 2021. It's um, just about finished. It, need to, it needs a couple months to finish. So I imagine it'll be done by the end of the year. Um, but the challenging part is sometimes it can take months, you know, even a year when you're working out the deals with to get it onto a platform like right. a, you know, Amazon or Netflix or Hulu or on TV, wherever. So that's what I don't know is how long that'll take. However, um, we're already in talks with a couple of a distributor and a network. So oh, wow. maybe they'll go faster than I think. Uh, I mean, I hope that would be great because I would love to get it out there and move on to another one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, was that where uh, watching it and rating it on prime, would that help that or would that, help something completely, you know, different. It would. Absolutely. It would. Because when we're, when we can show the viewership of the current one for when we're, when we're selling the next one, um, they want things that have a proof of concept, you know, they want to show okay. things that they know people are interested in watching. So for sure. Right. Okay. Well, conviction is streaming now on Amazon prime. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, do it ASAP and please don't forget to rate it. Um, I know you're going to love it. I know you guys will give it five stars because it is a great film and it helps her film be seen um, in there's just a, it seems like there's a million films on there, but find this one, find this one. <laughs> you will not regret it. Uh, Conviction is also playing at the Atlanta documentary film festival on November 8th for my uh, Georgia listeners. If you're near the Atlanta area, please uh, check it out. Gia will be there in person doing a question and answer after the screening as well. Um, as I saw, you have quite a bit of, uh, nominations and, uh, selections and film festivals. And I kind of lost track because, uh, I didn't want to misquote because it seems like you were adding on, <laughs> you kept getting more, <laughs> getting more. So, uh, wow. I mean, that's for your first film, 
that's got to be, I don't know if you were shocked. Were you shocked? Did you expect it with this? How, how did that make you feel? Oh, I was absolutely shocked. I, I, um, I don't know if we, yeah, we talked about this. I went to film school, right? Right. When I decided I wanted to make films and I made a short eight minute version of this, of Jeff's story for my final film in school. Uh And that's how I started filming this in the first place. And one of the TAs there, a teacher's assistant there who ended up is now on, on the team and works on the film. um, He said, this is really good. You should submit this to festivals. Before that point, I had no intention. It was just a, 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 my final it was just my final for for school oh wow (laughs) and uh and he said that and I thought well hey why not you know it doesn't hurt you always just you know throw your name in the hat kind of thing and uh so I was within three within the first I think month we got three festivals so I was I was floored like shocked shocked yes it was within the first month or the first two months it was a really short period of time and uh and then uh we just a week or two ago we got into the Georgia Documentary Film Festival which is our 10th festival and uh we got uh we got a semi-finalist award at the Cannes International independent film festival. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, and we got a couple others too, but it's, uh, it's been, I mean, I was shocked and I'm so happy and it's so nice because it's a brand new industry for me. It's a brand, you know, it's, it's a new everything. And I switched careers at 40 years old, which is already hard to do. So (laughs) it is nice to have that stamp of approval to give you the motivation to keep going. Wow. And a quick question on that before uh, we close up is, so are you going to stick to making these, uh, these films? Are you going to stick with the, uh, I guess the, I'll say true crime, but the. the oh, like uh, wrongful conviction yes. and like criminal injustice films. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. The whole reason I, as I mentioned, switch careers is because I really wanted to do something that would help people that have been wrongfully convicted. So I do plan to stick to only documentaries and most likely about wrongful convictions or true crime. Um, you know, however, you never know what the future, you know, can bring. So I'm not going to say I won't do anything else, but at least for the foreseeable future, that's all I really have any interest in doing. And I switched careers because I wanted to spend my days doing something I was really passionate about. And if I started, I've been approached by a few people to do films on other topics. Um, somebody just asked me yesterday, like, would I be interested in doing a documentary on, uh, on matchmaking? And it'd be fun, I'm sure. And it'd be interesting. <laughs> but I had, you know, I had to say no, because it's just not what I want to right, focus on right, right now. Right, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you're, like yeah. I said, you're, you did it and you're, you're doing it well. And I can't wait for the full-length film. Uh, you can find more information at www.geowords.com. I will have all this information in the show notes as well. You can find her on Instagram at at Gia Docs, um, J-I-A-D-O-C-S. Gia, thank you so much again for taking the time um, just to talk with me and um, to share a little bit about yourself and the film. Um, good luck. I know... I know you, <laughs> this film is going to have much success. Uh, Thank you so much. It seriously was a pleasure talking, talking to you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Gia. Well, thank you again and uh, good luck. We'll, we'll see you soon, I'm sure, on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk again, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Gia. Okay, bye, Joel. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Gia Wirtz, filmmaker and enemy of injustice. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. 
Um, Gia was a great guest, and I hope you guys please check out the film Conviction. It was released in 2020 and is now available on Amazon Prime. Um, check out the show notes. I will put links in the show notes uh, to everything I mentioned here. And uh, make sure you give her film the proper rating which it deserves. Uh, she funded the entire film herself, from what I understand. So show her some love. And thanks for listening. And stay tuned to the next episode of Area 81 which will be released later on this month. Thank you, guys. I appreciate every single one of you.